Welcome to the Truckers Mind Podcast Movie Reviews. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fing. We're back, episode two. Yes, sir. And uh, the subject for this uh, movie review is In Time. Yes. Starring uh, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Uh, great film. Uh, we'll just go into uh, what we took from the film. So let's get right into it. Let's give it a, a quick summary first. Okay. Uh, basically, In Time, like you said, starring Justin Timberlake. Um, and Amanda Safe Safrit Safrite whatever I don't know how to say her name, but basically um, it's a movie uh, that has a lot of themes about um, classism and uh, you know social classes and rich rich versus poor. All those themes are you know built throughout this movie. Essentially, what happens it's it's a kind of nuanced, um, kind of outside of the box way of life. But basically, in that world, time is money. So they don't have dollars, they don't have change, right. they don't have anything, they don't have really bank accounts or anything. All the money um, or all the currency is time. Right. And, um, you know, they work for time, they they spend time to catch the bus, they spend time to to eat, they spend time to to do, buy flowers, whatever, whatever the case. And um, essentially, once all the characters hit 25, I think they're given a year um, of time to live uh, just just because they're human beings. And then after that, it's up to them to work for, you know, work for more time or, uh, you know, yeah, that's basically it. And yeah. in, in the movie, um, basically Justin Timberlake's character grew up poor and he re, uh, his, his goal is essentially to get out of the hood I guess you could say. Yeah, um, it was in the ghetto. Yeah, he he grew up in the ghetto, and then his mom. Basically, what happened is his mom. Um, everybody like they all stop at the age of twenty five, and his mom was celebrating her birthday, and Justin Timberlake wanted to do something really good for her, and Justin Timberlake, through a crazy random uh, occurrence, came across a lot of money or a lot of time, and then he wanted to celebrate with his mom. And essentially, because his mom didn't have enough time to get back to Justin Timberlake um, before a certain amount of time, she passed away. And then in turn, that drove Justin Timberlake to basically bring down this whole uh, infrastructure of all these rich people and stuff like that. So that's yeah, the, definitely. Yeah. Um, what was mentioned also is that you can never beat the system and they use time. Obviously, as Keith mentioned earlier is like currency. Mm -hmm. And um Earlier in the film, there was a man that was in a bar and he had like a two centuries on his arm mm -hmm. and um, he had his arm. His sleeve was up on his arm, basically showing everybody what he had, which is basically a death sentence. Mm -hmm. And he was buying everybody drinks in the bar, paying for all this stuff. Everybody was excited. Uh, but that was all broken up when a bunch of time well, uh, Minutemen, they called them. Were yeah. Basically, they were thieves mm -hmm. um, and they just would rob people for their time. Yeah. Um, Justin Timberlake saves this guy. They run away. They find a place uh, uh, to hide. And during that time, they had a conversation and the man basically spoke and said that, man, this is basically a curse. Nobody was meant to live forever. Yeah. And he also basically he basically meant he also talked about how you could never beat the system because the price of everything is going to continue to go up. Yeah. Like everything's going to go up. Mm -hmm. And he said, don't you understand? You're never going to beat it. Mm -hmm. um, and to make a long story short, um, Will Salas, which is uh, Justin Timberlake's character, they both took like a nap. And when he woke up, uh, the guy had took off and left Will sitting on the couch. But while Will Salas was asleep, he snuck under his arm and he gave him all of his time. 
And if you haven't over a century, over a century and mm-hmm. uh, their time is all on their form, as I mentioned. So he's just he twists his wrist a little bit, just do, 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 do. He gives him all these years. Mm-hmm. And then he basically commits suicide. But the way he does it is he only leaves about like five minutes on his arm. Yeah. And he walks out to this uh, this bridge and sits out on the corner and his time runs down. And he just like the way they die is so dramatic, too, when they mm-hmm. run out of time. It's it's like it's almost like when you die on Super Mario and then you know the whole just everything fucking stops <laughs> <laughs> or that last punch on Street Fighter. Oh, like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> you win! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the guy dies. Mm-hmm. Will Silas wakes up and he runs out there, and the guy's dead, and uh, he's just like, "Oh my god!" Like he couldn't believe it. Yeah. But at that point, he uh, has all this time. He doesn't know what to do. Um, so the first thing he does is he goes into giving mode. The first thing he does from that point is yeah. he finds his childhood friend, right? Uh-huh. And he shows his friend all the time he has on his arm. His friend's like, are you crazy? That's a death sentence. What are you doing? And they have a conversation. He hugs him. He tells him, you know, he loves him. And he said, how long have we been friends? He's like, about 10 years. And he grabs his friend's arm and he just loads him up with 10 years of time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, my God, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, his friend immediately says, "Hey, babe, I catch you. I'm going out." All right. Flash forward. All right, Keith, you want to chime in? And <laughs> yeah, I think we uh, we pretty got got the gist of it. Let's right. just talk about um, some of the themes and stuff that right. we, we noticed in the movie. Right. Um, so definitely, we talked about this whole uh, this whole um, classism thing. Right. Right. And that's that's the most apparent theme in the movie because basically. Um, Will Silas lives in the ghetto. Yeah. And in the ghetto, everything is so fast paced. Right. So if you if any of your listeners out there and you grew up, you know, in certain areas, impoverished areas out there, you you know what it feels like to be constantly on the move and constantly having to um, do almost little subtle things that you probably wouldn't do if you were uh, living a privileged lifestyle. Right. Right. So for us. Um, one of the things that I seen Will Silas is always doing, like I said, he's moving fast, but also they're checking their time constantly Right. because, um, one of the themes in there, it's, um, that he says many, many times is that they're living day by day. hundred percent. So for us, it, it could be the same thing. So if yeah. you, if you live in paycheck to paycheck, you probably constantly checking your bank account. 100%. Like you you might've went to Walmart yesterday. <laughs> You spent maybe fifty dollars, but you know you only got two hundred dollars in your bank account. Right. So you just like, dang man, like I only got one fifty left. Like I got to disperse this. I got this bill. I got this bill. So you always constantly checking right. your um, checking your bank account, but yeah. also like the work ethic. I mean, Eddie talked about it before. He only took. He's been working what three years at that job, and you took one vacation. Yeah, it's one. Yeah, so it's the same same sort of ideas. Like those, those that people in that that ghetto. I think it's like zone twelve or fourteen or something like that. They're just constantly working, constantly on the move, and also constantly in debt because there's a there's the um, there's like a loan system that they also have. Yep. Um, and the loan, I think the interest rate was like 30%. Yeah, it was super high. And then it just kept going up and up and up. Yeah, but you that, know? That, that also showed predatory lending, which, yeah. is, which is predominantly in places like the ghetto. Yeah. And these and predatory lending is uh, something that's legal. I guess it's frowned upon, but it's not frowned upon bad enough to get rid of all these fucking check cashing places. Yeah. So th- these check cashing places are very prevalent in mm-hmm. inner cities that, you know, keep people poor. Mm-hmm. So if you get a $500 loan, it ends up being probably almost a fucking $1,000 yeah. be- before you pay the shit back. And, yep. 
you know, about a year is it true? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All the time you go up in there doing that. There's mm-hmm. just, there's just so many uh, things they hit, but uh, like you mentioned, um, time or I forgot, I just forgot your main point you were making. Mm-hmm. Uh, classism, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. I think that this movie did just as good or actually did a better job than uh, uh, Us. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it the movie Us where there was two worlds? There was like the under, what they call, they call it the underneath or yeah. the below or whatever they mm-hmm. called it. But it was two, it was two alternate universes mm-hmm. where one alternate universe was privileged and the other one was not. Yeah. And I think this movie did a better job of, of going it more in depth. I think, I think what happened with <clears throat> us, it was almost too, it was almost too much. It's too, yeah. Yeah. I think this way they did it. They did it just, they did just enough as far as changing the currency and right. you know, changing the, the dynamics of the world, but not enough to where it's like, dang, like you're trying to figure out the whole movie. Right. Like, what is going on here? They made it more digestible. Yeah, exactly. So they, they took real life instances and they flipped that shit and they mm-hmm. did it so genius. There was a scene in the movie where um, he, uh, uh, Will Salas character was uh, going into work. And somebody ran out of time. Basically, they died. And everybody was just walking right by the guy, walking right by him. Yeah. So whenever you're a person that uh, is poor or is a working class person, you're just a number. Well, That's what. Go ahead. To add to that, they died at work. Exactly. The place where you're supposed to be making money. Right. But, yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, it's really fucked up. And the, the, uh, Not to get off the work point, but yeah. also when he went to collect his check. Uh-huh. They didn't give him as much money because the he was like uh, basically he was saying he hit his mark. He I don't know if they're pressing up time cars uh-huh. or whatever his job is. Right. But um, the, he went to get his money. He found out he was short. He was like, yo, like, what's the deal? Like, why, why, why didn't I get my full paycheck? And the guy was like, you didn't meet your quota. He's like, yo, I hit my quota. He's like, well, the rates or the the number of right. whatever quota went up. Right. He's, it's like, it's- so the message there was when you're poor, you're never going to get ahead. Yeah. You just you're always going to be um, in I won't say slave class, but you're barely above the slave class. Yeah. In America, there's always been a slave class, which is not highlighted in this film, but it, it exists. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, for example, now I think the, the slave class would be what would be considered that like somebody from a different country that may work uh, like uh, farming or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That because what happens is, is they could be paid X amount of money for this much and yeah. they could they could try to sustain that yeah but they'll also demonize the same people that they need yeah which is crazy but that's just how the world is but to make a long story short um yeah will Salas he think he want to also get coffee uh he was like on breakers before work he went to get coffee and he said i cost you 20 minutes he's like 20 minutes oh the price of that went up too the price of that went yeah. up everything was going up so basically it's to keep you in you're never going to you're never going to get out of where you're at. You're always going to be only being able to live a day at a time. Yeah. So it, it basically resembled the uh, the average American. I don't know mm-hmm. if people realize this, but the average American is um, they don't have enough. The average American does not have enough for a five hundred dollar emergency. Mm-hmm. The average American is one paycheck away sometimes from being on the fucking streets. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So. It's crazy to me how like if you you won't see this reflected like on social media, everybody's doing so great on social media. But in reality, people are fucking struggling. Yeah. A perception is crazy. Oh, yeah. Perception mm-hmm. is perception is perception. It mm-hmm. will never be reality because mm-hmm. I was a person that went through that for many, many years. Yeah. I had times where, you know, but before I was trucking um, times, I didn't hardly had no fucking gas. I barely yeah. have gas to get to work. And it's like how you can never sustain a life like that 
That's yeah. that's torture, but it it does it does um make you very appreciative when you do come across some money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One thing one thing that um was uh pretty interesting in the movie. So when Will Silas he gets when he gets all that money, there's this place called or Green Time. Yeah, Time. <laughs> when he gets all that time, he there's a place called Greenwich Greenwich, right? Yeah. Greenwich, which he wanted to take his mom. That was like the big, big idea of the movie. Like it was his mom's birthday and he was like, yo, I'm gonna do something really special for you. Right. Um, and I think, I don't know if that was his plan or what his plan was. I know he said that he wanted to, to dance with her and stuff, but that was always her dream to basically see, mm-hmm. you know, it's basically like going on vacation or seeing what's really out there in the world. Right. Um, and it, the, what, to that point, I can also relate too because um, I think my mom has been at a, she's been in California for most of her life. She's only left the, left the state a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And like one of them was like going to Nevada, which is kind of like leaving the state, but not really. Not but, really. Yeah. Um, I think the first time she really, really left was going to my graduation when wow, I was in New Mexico. Right. So I could relate to that. Like just trying to basically show your mom the world. Right. So, right. um, but basically he wanted to take his mom to, you know, see the, see what's out there in the world. And, um, he ended up, uh, she ended up dying before, uh, that that ever materialized, right? But he takes this trip, and he basically it's a what what you call was like redlining, or basically there's these like gates to each yeah each, each level, zone. yeah each, each community, each zone or mm-hmm. time zones, what they called them in the yeah, movie. which it would, would in the real world would probably be an area code. Hundred so percent. You and I live in 04, 93304. Uh-huh. Right. Um, nine three three one three is like the you know would would be somewhere in the Southwest right. where, you know, m- most of the uh, upper class people live. Right. 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 Um, so he's passing through these zones and he's going, um, at, it had, it had to be like, psh, he probably went through like 10 different yeah, zones. He, I think they were like zone nine was mm-hmm. uh, new Greenwich. Yeah. 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 So he gets all the way there and you know, he's, he's basically uh, an, an outcast, but, um, fast forward through all that, he ends up at a party um, with a bunch of wealthy people there playing poker, drinking, conversating yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, one of the things that stuck out to me was he was playing a, a poker game and um, he ended up winning the poker game and he won maybe a thousand years or something like that. But in that game, he was able to win simply because he um, he had nothing to lose. Right. So because he came from a place, he came from the ghetto where He's he didn't come into the world with much of anything. He was able to uh, risk more than the person sitting across from him because right. that person came from privilege. Privilege. Right. So the the person that came from pri- privilege is kind of there. If you see in the movie, they're very timid. Yeah, they're calculated. They, yeah, they carry. They always have guards around them. Two or three, um, two or three bodyguards, even inside of a party with a bunch of other wealthy people. Right. Um, they don't really take any risks. They never go to the beach. They never do pretty much anything yeah i think what, what what it was though is when they were having that poker game and uh the rich guy was very calculated he was putting he put up he uh said 50 years let's bet 50 years which is a lot but it, justin timberlake's character was so used to only having a day at a time on his clock he just said fuck it he said he'll, he'll he, he risked his whole arm right mm-hmm. and the guy was shocked when he won but he wasn't and he wasn't afraid because this is his life every day yeah. He's used to not having things. Mm-hmm. So he he basically had a different vantage point in the sense that, hey, look here, man, um, I'm day to day. So I'm not used to the, all this time anyway. So fuck yeah. it. <laughs> what, to piggyback off of that, it's it's 
it may be something and another theme also is that mm. um people that don't have a lot of money are not as financially literate right yeah, so that's, that's very true yeah so the wealthy guy could be more concerned you know a lot of wealthy people are very conservative they save yeah. a lot of money they you know yeah. put money in stocks and savings and all this stuff versus the people that you know from the ghetto typically you know like you said they don't have a 500 dollar uh right. thing to save a lot of times they have the perception that they're getting a lot of money they may have a nice car they may have nice shoes and stuff like that but in reality they don't have um as much assets as, as somebody else so um, that's, I'm sure that's not what they were going for, but that's just another way to look at it. Right. Yeah, that is true. Um, and I think that him having that blind spot helped him out a lot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, after he won that money or whatnot, um, he meets, uh, the dude's daughter and he's like, I know you're wondering if that's my daughter or my wife mm-hmm. or whatever. And he's like, well, that's my daughter. So basically, <laughs> basically he was telling both solace, like you can, fuck yeah, you can have sex you, with you, my you, daughter. You can, you can fuck my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she's all yours she, buddy she's all yours yeah she prefers doggy style <laughs> it's i think honestly the way he said it if obviously uh will silas character turned out to be you know the police or whatever busted into the party and took him away right but if he was probably the a wealthy guy he's you know a good looking dude he's he, I think he was almost passing his daughter off to her yeah, in a sense. Pretty yeah. much. And then he found out he was just a poor kid that came across the money. Yeah. He was like, ah, nah. Yeah. And what I, what I also found uh, that it was basically stereotyping by the timekeeper, the timekeeper, a.k.a. Uh, police officers. Um, when it came to the party and they, they said, so what are you doing here? It's just very odd. He's yeah. like, I, he said, uh, he gave it to me. He gave me all that time. He's like, I didn't yeah. steal it. He gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hmm, it's just very odd that you would be here. And the thing about it is that's that's basically profiling. Yeah. To where um, th- this happens to people. This has happened to me before. I've yeah. been profiled by the police right in the city of <clears throat> Bakersfield. Well, I had a buddy that lived way on the outskirts of town, really big, nice house. And I was probably only about 20 years old at the time. We're all like 20 mm-hmm. driving to his house to get pulled over. He said, what first question the cop asked? So what are you doing here? Mm hmm. And I'm thinking, like, I was confused. He's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, uh, my, my friend lives down the street. And, it, yeah. and then my homie was driving a car. I had one cop asking me on the right side of the car. And somebody asked him, what are you doing here? He said, I live right there, man. Yeah. So it's a form of stereotype. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why, why do you live here? Yeah. And, and the reason why these situations exist is based on redlining. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me explain. When you, whenever you hear, like, black people... Or people of color say things like systematic oppression. Housing discrimination. Housing dis- not, not, they don't even say that. They just mm-hmm. say systematic oppression. Mm-hmm. You can't say systematic oppression and expect people to understand what the fuck that means. Yeah. Especially if they haven't taken time to look at it themselves. Let me give you an idea of what systematic oppression is. Systematic oppression is basically uh, the, the probably the, the most hugest form of it is housing discrimination that happened where um, the suburbs was created. And it basically was discount homes, yeah. right? And they allowed um, uh, white people to move to these areas and not black people, which yeah. they called white flight. Mm-hmm. So go to Google and look up white flight. This is all real, by the way. This is not mm-hmm. fake news. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you had a bunch of white people leaving these areas because a lot of middle class blacks were moving from you know places like uh, Chicago and whatnot during like this in- industrial boom. There's a lot of big um uh these big factories Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of middle class black people that were moving to places like los angeles for example yeah and um 
they ended up creating these these boundaries and these these lines. And uh, the New Deal was basically it wasn't a deal for everyone. So in essence, what ended up happening is if you're listening to this podcast and you live in an area and you're like, dang, I don't have any black neighbors. I don't have any black neighbors. This is a black guy that lives up the street. That's about it. Yeah. That's systematic oppression, my brother. Mm-hmm. That is not because black people are dumb and they're lazy and that's why they're in those conditions. This happened specifically because there were people that were not allowed to leave where they lived. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not to mention even the GI bill. Like if you were a soldier, um, the GI bill did not allow you to empower yourself or your family. So if you were a white soldier, you were able to move to the suburbs, but if you were black, you cannot move to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. But this is this, this is what happened in American history. Now, Take the time to look this up. Don't listen to me. Look up everything I'm saying, and it will be 100% correct. There's a, um, <laughs> if you guys are out there and you're curious about the situation, if you go on Max Maxwell's Instagram, there's a uh, deed the, the that deed. he has. Exactly. And it basically said, don't sell to no niggas. Yeah, that's what it says, basically. <laughs> not, not, not in ver- verbatim, but <laughs> in a more eloquent way. Yeah, and here also... Um, Real estate agents would have their license revoked for even selling to blacks or reselling to blacks. And it mentioned in the in the deed that you could not resell a home to a person who was African-American. By the way, hold up. Anybody who is a homeowner of a very old house, let's say your house is, I don't know, 80 some years, 70 some, whatever years old. Mm-hmm. Right. Go to the original deed and read it. Go to the original deed and read it. And if your neighbor's been living in the area for a long time, ask them for the deed and have them read the the, the original deed. And it will tell you that you will not resell the blacks. I mean, they don't obviously don't uphold this, but all the print is there. Yeah. Okay. This is not some made up shit. It's, it's happened in every city in America, Bakersfield, Los Angeles, all these areas exclusively had redline black people or people of color did not allow them to move out of wherever they were living. And the suburbs are predominantly white because the government was complicit in it. So yeah. let's make, let's make the connection between this and the movie. All these zones represent, they represented systematic oppression Yeah, because it costs you just to get out of certain zones. Uh, one month. That was the first, the, the zone they, had par- they crossed. I think it was like, it's like zone four. It's like a toll four. fee. Yeah, it's That's like true. a toll yeah. fee each mm-hmm. time. Then the next one, two months. Then the next one said like, uh, whatever. And then the other one said one year. So mm-hmm. it cost them one year to get to all these zones. So what happens is, is people that are in these areas, um, they can't even afford to get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the, that's. Well, Silas, he, I mean, if he, obviously if he never came across that money, he wouldn't even be able to. To afford to just drive through to drive through, hundred yeah, percent, exactly. That's crazy, yeah, yep. That's yeah. a trip, man. Yeah, man. And his mother wanted to go, and it was only uh, one hour the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned into two hours. She didn't have the money, so she started running to get oh, there. She, he, you're talking about her catching a bus. Yeah, her catching that bus. So she was. I think she had just got off of work. Right. And um, that's to me that that represents um, like inflation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she just wanted to catch the bus to go home to meet her son. And she went up to the bus driver and she she was getting ready to scan because she had an hour and a half. But right. the, the bus toll was normally a, a uh, one hour. And she went up to scan it and then it didn't work. And she was like, wait, what's going on? She was like, the, the toll is I mean, the, the fee is two, two hours now. She's like, what? 
She was like, I can't afford that. And then he was like, um, and then he, she was like, well, can I just pay an hour or whatever? And then my son could to, could get me on the rest whenever I stop. And he was like, nah. And she was like, what, do you, what am I going to do? The, my home is like two hours away from here. And he was like, well, you better start running. And then he just took off. Wait, what? <laughs> every oh t- my god! Every time, man. Oh, <laughs> what in the mental illness? <laughs> okay, let, let me explain something to you guys. Why this is so funny? Me and Keith are literally—I won't say the building because I don't want you guys to, uh, to uh, stalk us. But <laughs> we are literally uh, the, the the podcast studio is and it's it's a uh, we're five stories up. Right? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're on the fifth floor. Downtown, mind you. Yeah, downtown. So when you hear random people like, fuck that shit. <laughs> Sometimes you'll hear it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then, look, I forgot which episode it was recent. But the dude, we was just talking. And he was like, you do the motherfucker. <laughs> like, what the fuck? God damn. He definitely from the ghetto. Oh, that, man. Yeah. He I probably know. got an hour of time left in this whole life. I'll be honest, man. If, I'm, if we're doing a podcast and we just hear somebody get beat up, I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, how can I intervene? That That's... That that's one thing, um, which basically, I, I, I don't want to stray too far away from no, the I movie, but yeah. it's there's a, a, I guess this common idea that a guy like me or you right. is supposed to jump in and and save somebody that's getting beat up or say you know a, a certain domestic violence situation or or anything like that. And I think when you think about it on paper, that's the right thing to do. You're supposed to break up a fight if somebody's getting beat up or something like that. But in reality, what happens a lot of times is that when you end up breaking a fu- breaking up a fight, you end up getting punched. You end up getting shot because <laughs> right. you're just in the wrong, the wrong situation at the wrong time. So right, right. I just want to let people know that yeah. um, it sounds like the right thing to do, but if you just walk away, um, that's okay too. Or you can call the police and you know, they can earn their money. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not not to stray too far, but uh, yeah. In regards to Will Solace's mother in the film, like she was, you know, a single mother. She was like, like the uh, like the matriarch, like basically a person who was more of a stronger character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Will Solace's father passed away when he was very young, and yeah. to see her die the way she died, she died trying to be happy and do something. Yeah, even, even though she didn't have very much time. And I think what stood out the most is right before she passed away, there's a scene where he's running to his mom and he could tell she's like probably running out of time or whatever. He could just tell she's under some distress. Yeah. So he speeds up his run. Yeah. Right. So he's speeding up his run and she just falls in his arms and dies. And at that moment, all the time he had on his arm, it could not change that situation. I think the most powerful, um, and I was telling Eddie this before the podcast, I was like, yo, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the world, the current times or whatever, but mm-hmm. I, that when I watched it again, I was just so emotional yeah. watching that watching that scene, watching it play out because obviously I knew what was, what was going to happen, but just think, just watching it again, the way they set it up was so beautiful because Will Silas is sitting at the bus stop with flowers waiting for his mom. He yeah. got a smile on his face. He's like, yeah, the bus is coming. I'm going to give her these flowers. We're going to dance. We're going to celebrate her birthday. Right. And then the bus just kept going. And he like, and that that's when it clicked for him. He's like, wait, my mom ain't on the bus. Like, what happened to her? And then he, he kind of uh, dropped the flowers and he just took off running. And then yeah. like you could kind of see him getting closer and closer together. And then you, you check her wrist. She got seconds left and then she dies right right in front of him. 
Yeah. yeah, shit is crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting um, uh, things of the, in the movie is like you would be, you would turn twenty five and you would stop. Basically, your mm-hmm. your your physical um, your physical what you looked like would yeah. not change after twenty five. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, right? and then uh, when they said, "How old are you?" And he's like twenty five for two. That's yeah, what, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I'm twenty five for for three for three. Yeah, yeah. The, so." It's the so when when you think about it um, on a technical level, there's a certain they call them beats right in movies. And if you watch pretty much any movie, it's, it sort of falls in line with the same structure. There's a little changes here and there. Right. But um, that moment when his mom died is called the catalyst. Right. So the catalyst is essentially the thing that pushes you into there you go. The, the decision that you're going to make into the world. And that was his, when his mom passed away. It was like, yo, I'm about to. I'm about to tear this whole world down because, yeah. you know, my mom who worked extremely hard right. for everything, she took care of me. All she wanted to do was catch the bus and they wouldn't even allow her to get on the bus. So for that right. reason, I'm going to bring this whole world down. Yeah. The um, whole structure mm-hmm. it, it basically. And the way he was handling himself was, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't care much for all these rich snobby people. Yeah. You know, when he met that girl, he was basically, um, he was just like telling her, like, you got all this water in your backyard and you don't you don't swim. Yeah. Because she was too afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. And he just like he didn't have nothing to lose. He just lost his mom. Yeah. You know, I um, think I think the way he viewed him and a lot of things you see in the movie is he viewed the um, wealthy people as thieves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So he viewed them as basically stealing um all this money and exactly. he was a robin hood in a sense exactly mm-hmm. they they were a robin hood slash bonnie and clyde yeah that's mm-hmm. what i took from once they start like give from take from the rich yeah slash robin yeah robin hood yeah, yeah. and uh you know taking from the rich giving back to the poor mm-hmm. and um there was a part in the movie that really it really tripped me out and, and it reminds me of the government right the government was complicit in things such as redlining right the government yeah. You know, the, the New Deal, which was redlining, the government was complicit in this and they've done nothing to rewrite it. Mm-hmm. So when people say, uh, you know, I've whatever presidential candidate we have, like I've done a lot for the black community. You haven't done shit. No, you haven't. You haven't done anything. The reason why you haven't done anything, because you have not um, uh, you have not unwronged the wrong that the government has done. Yeah. It will. In order like the ghettos, there should not be any ghettos in America. None. There's enough money. That's what yeah. the movie said. Also, there's enough money to go around for there not to be a ghetto. A hundred percent. But what it would literally take about 150 years to fix what they've done to America mm-hmm. and the government's complicit in it. Yeah. So this uh, there's a part in the film that really stuck out to me. And that what stuck out was the fact that um, the ransom for um, the dude or the dad, the father, uh, what's the daughter? Is it Sylvia Weiss? Yes, yeah, Sylvia. Sylvia Weiss. Basically, the ransom for her was. A uh, thousand years, I think it was. Yeah, it was a thousand years, and um, the dude didn't want to pay the money. He's like, "Well, that's your daughter." He's like, "But I don't, I don't want it to go to them." Yeah, basically, the money would be dispersed amongst the ghetto, and he didn't want that to happen. Yeah, he would rather lose his daughter than yeah. pay give a thousand dollars to the what the poorest part of the hundred percent. 
it was weird about this is they were having like a Joe Rogan and um, Ben Shapiro recently having a conversation about like ghettos and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, politicians have given a lot of money to this. They've done it. They've done this and that. And da, 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 da. They just need to change their decisions in those ghettos and then it'll get better. It was such a simplistic way of thinking. Yeah. Right. You, you can't say that, you know, we've given money. You know how much this money is funneled before it's actually given to it. And it's given under the guise of, uh, you know, improvement or yeah you know whatever the fuck you but, know one an, another annoying thing that i hear mm-hmm. um a lot of these people these kind of ben shapiro people are mm-hmm. people that would be like I, I didn't i didn't come into the world with wealth i wasn't a millionaire when i came out of the womb but it's not about being a millionaire or being you know middle class or whatever there's right. levels to 100 this you know 100%. what i mean so somebody like in the movie will solace he's at the bottom of yeah. the totem pole right yeah yeah, I think what else people don't realize, though, as well, is when you are were once considered what was it three fifths of a human. Yeah. Um, and also you and Joe Rogan talked about this, which was was a very genius take. And he says when you're basically were a when you started off as a slave in America, you'll never be equal to someone else. Yeah. And I thought about it. And I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. It, like the thing about it is you is people they see a lot of successful uh, black people, they'll be like, "Oh, look at LeBron, look at look at Jay Z, yeah. look at so and so." These people are outliers. Yeah, yeah anomalies. But there's, there's anomalies, but there's a large majority of just regular Joe Blows that you know that that happen to be white, and it's not their fault that they were born into whatever mm-hmm. you know. And being white doesn't mean you just privileged, but the, the idea of it is basically there has never been someone that told you you couldn't sit on you couldn't sit on a certain part of the bus. Yeah. There's never been someone that told you you can't use this bathroom because you're white. Mm-hmm. There's never been someone that have told you any of these things. So you'll never understand the plight of people of color. So yeah. before you dismiss anything, just please understand that you don't know anything. Do the research. There's a book called um, uh, Color of Law. Mm-hmm. You should read it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It'd be a good read. I've been listening to it on the truck, but okay. it, it it basically I'm bringing it up because it blends in with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, that that's that was fucked up when he didn't want to give the money, uh, the ransom money, because it would be going to the ghetto. That's crazy. Yeah. One it, thing it, one thing about your point with um, <clears throat> Jay-Z and, and, and LeBron James also is um, they're anomalies, but also like they are the most talented people. Yeah, they're outliers, earth, right? Jay Z is the best rapper. LeBron <clears throat> James is the best basketball player. Right. You could jump out of the gym. Jay Z can put words together like right. you know no average human can do. Um, so it's almost like you have to be the um, the most talented person in order right. to be the person that makes it out of the hundred percent. Yeah, you have to be an outlier because there's a million rappers that want to be like Jay Z, but they're not. Yeah. You know, you think of a music industry as a very condensed, small part of a like a part of an like a, of America. There's not there is a lot of rappers, but they're not successful. Not like that. Not like this. This yeah. is this is a billionaire that we're, we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron James, multimillionaire, mm-hmm. um, potentially a billionaire, mm-hmm. and people look at that success and figure, yeah, it's all fine. It's all equal. Yeah, it's all it's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie highlighted that those things just don't change overnight. Yeah. You know, finally they found that million, the million, uh, it was like a million years in that vault. Yeah. And uh, they took it to that dude. I think he needed to start spreading it around, spreading it around. And then finally at the end, because I don't want to just jump too much around, uh-huh. but it was making breaking news like 
there's a, a million years missing, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then people started leaving the ghetto and start going into zone nine. They was walking all this through, the walking all through the neighborhood. Yeah. And then uh, the timekeeper, because the, the one that one of the timekeepers that had died, uh, the black dude at the end took over as like the chief of the timekeepers yeah. or whatever. And he says, chief, what, what do you want us to do? He was like, just go home. Yeah. They really then the, the funny part is uh, this is kind of something that I just thought of. They were the perception of like the the timekeepers or whomever. They try to make it sound like everything was okay. We right. got it under control. Every, everything is good, but in reality, it wasn't good. No, they was the you know the pe- the poor people just walking through the through the um the suburbs. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I picked up too is is the timekeeper the, the well the main character one of the main characters. Um, he's like he knew where all the back street was and everything to cut off Will Salas and he was like you must you're from here aren't you yeah you lived here he's like yeah I did but now I I keep track of time yeah so his purpose his whole purpose was tracking down people who were poor that he felt were still in time this is a representation of the inner city areas that are over policed mm-hmm. okay that's what I picked up from it mm-hmm. is that you know, there's corruption going on in zone nine, mm-hmm. but the police aren't stopping that. They're stopping the guy that's nickel and diamond in the hood. Yeah. But there's a bunch of white collar crimes that are taking place. Yeah. These massive crimes that are taking place, mm-hmm. whether it's in real estate or any of these. Mark Medoffs. Yeah. Medoffs. Kind of yeah. Mm-hmm. All, all these things that, that that don't. These are like horrendous, humongous crimes that don't get the attention. But. They're paying attention to the person that's nickel and diamond. Yeah. You know what I mean? a lot of tax evasion and a lot of stuff and laundering yeah. money, all that right. kind of stuff. Guess why you never really hear too many people of color get in trouble for white collar crimes? Because we don't got no white collars? No, because they don't got enough privilege to do it. Yeah. You have to have capital to commit these white collar crimes. Now, have there been black people or people of color committing white collar crimes? Hell yeah. We talked about one. It was a dude that... Uh, that was, it was like a rapper. He got like a, a, a the stimulus, money. the stimulus money, the mm-hmm. COVID money, and he that was that's a white collar crime. He got like a million dollars or something. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are not in that position to do that. Yeah, usually people that's committing these white collar crimes are like fucking politicians and shit like that. Yeah, there was a dude recently. It was a what was the company called? It was it was in Bakersfield. Was it a? I think it was Crispin Cole. Was it Crispin Cole? I think it was Crispin Cole. I don't want to. The lawyers. Uh, that's the lawyers. What is Crispin Cole? It's it was a real. I think it was a realty. Real estate. Real estate. Oh, okay. Let me let me double check. But to make a long story short, the the day where they had private jets, they had all these commercials and shit. And I remember these commercials, and I was like, man, these guys are rich rolling, and they got fucking busted, dude. What was they doing? Oh man, all kinds of shit. I they, think I heard of this story. Let me see. I'm gonna look it up right now. I don't want to give. I don't like giving up false information. Mm-hmm. You say crisp and cool. Oh, it popped up right at the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, timeline events. Crisp and cool. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I knew I wasn't tripping. I remember those fucking uh, lavish <laughs> commercials. The arrest of Carl Cole, David Crisp, and eight others on suspicion of federal mortgage fraud charges capped years of investigation and local speculation that followed. A FBI invest FBI raid of Crispin Cole real estate operations in September 2007. Crazy. I remember when that happened. That was 07. God damn, that was a long time ago. 
Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But these white collar crimes take place. But they were the dude was looking at people who were nickel and diamond and sharing time. Yeah. It's it, the one thing to go along with that is this idea that um, like it's, it's almost self-hate in a, in a sense. <clears throat> in a way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, he grew up in those same ghettos, but now he's. He's making sure no one gets out. Essentially, yeah. that's what he, you know. Any they have alerts set up for people spending money in different zones that they're not supposed to be spending yeah, money. In. It's like, that's, Dang, man. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think this movie did an amazing job of doing what its purpose was. Ooh, what um, happened? A couple points. Uh huh. The the um the uh Minutemen. Right. Okay. When when the Minutemen. Um, basically the Minutemen was trying to find, uh, Will Silas and, and, uh, and Sylvia and they jammed him up in that little hotel and they were, he was going to take all of his time from him. Right. And basically the, um, the, the guy said that, um, the, the timekeepers don't mess with us because we, we are the bullies of the, the poor people or the people in the ghetto. And that was, that was interesting to me that. They're trying to stop all this crime going on. They don't want money transferring certain places. They don't want people stealing from each other in the ghetto. But anybody that's taking from the poor people, they, they just, they just, yeah, walk right by it. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. they catch that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when they had all like that arm wrestling match, basically, yeah. where they mm-hmm. take time, mm-hmm. he said, he said, uh, let's play a game. I want to play you for it. And he's like, man, he's like, if I win, you're going to shoot me. If, yeah. You know, if I, you know, if I lose and I'm dead, he's like, well, just play the game, right? So mm-hmm. as they was playing, he said that once your time, once the person's time got, or once your time got low enough, they start worrying about your clock, mm-hmm. right? So instead of focusing on what they was doing, they focused on your shit. And then he just twisted his wrist around and took his life. Yeah. But before he could do it, um, uh, he took the dude's gun and then shot the two dudes. And then, then he took that dude, the rest of that dude's life. Yeah, but him. I think there was a message there. It's almost like you're focused on someone else's life more than your own. Mm-hmm. I think that was like the subliminal messaging to that arm wrestling match. Yeah. Because he said once he said once the time gets low enough, they start looking at your clock instead of focusing on themselves. And that's when you got them beat. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And that's something he learned from his dad. Right. Because mm-hmm. his dad was uh, Will Silas's dad. I forget his name, but but he was. um he was almost like the Will Solace of his era. Right. He was a right. person that was always trying to correct the system. Um, and he ended up dying because of it. But um, it's just interesting how the, all those things were, were, were able to connect. Yeah. And that timekeeper hated him. Yeah. Yeah. He hated yeah. him. He was like a super, he was a su- super by the book guy, but he was also, <clears throat> he's also a dick. Mm-hmm. I was glad when he got shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, let me see. Oh, one other um, one other thing that um, I felt two two other points that I had. Um, I just thought it was interesting the dynamic between um, like the the suburban rich girl and then the poor ghetto kid. Uh, I, th- I think that's a similar to like my relationship, hmm. and I feel like um, I grew up very just regular. Like right. we not we didn't have much. You know, some days I would go back to school and. You know, I wouldn't have new clothes and my mom would have to, you know, apologize to me. And, and you know, I'm at, right. at a certain point, I'm, I'm older. So it's just like, right. mom, don't trip. Don't right, trip. Right, right, I'm going right. to iron these clothes and then I'm going to throw on some clothes that I didn't wear too much last year. And it's going to look new. Right. Um, versus like my girl, she's 
she grew up in a certain area where, um, like the southwest of, of Bakersfield, and right, it's, right, a, right. it's a place where um, you know most of the suburban kids and the privileged, you know, upper upper middle class and right. upper class uh, people live. So there's a certain shorthand that we don't really like. I'm gonna say butt heads on, but it's just like it's just a different lifestyle. Yeah, it's just a certain level of uh, being oblivious to certain things. I yeah. would I would assume. Yeah, and I think that that's gonna be happen. That's gonna happen naturally. Yeah. Um, where if I'm, let's say for example, I'm dating a chick that's you know lives in the Hollywood Hills, and yeah. I'm over there drinking a beer, and they're like, "We don't drink beers over there, silly. You gotta go over there and do that." Yeah. And you're like, "What are you talking about? What's yeah. going?" On? And yeah. it, and it's just that huge gap. I think that the 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 normal the I guess normality I don't want to use the wrong diction but what's mm. normal to you is not normal to someone else and it's based a lot of times off of a, a wealth gap yeah so yeah. with me growing up I remember we had a conversation with uh, with Blue and CAC CAC Visuals here mm-hmm. and I was like man yeah I grew up pretty poor man and then there was like oh you did I was like man I grew up Basically, like talking about the oven. He said using the, using the <laughs> oven as a heater for the whole house, and it was we like all we all started laughing, yeah. like yeah, nigga, we all did that. <laughs> so we all related on that level, growing up poor and using the fucking oven as a heater for the house because the, the heat didn't work in the house. Yeah, but see, somebody listening to this that grew up in a nice house, you yeah, know, right, they right. don't understand what that's like, and it's like at the end of the day, it's good that you don't know about it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's just something that we. Yeah, it's almost like. Um, we're, we're we're making light of it because it's, right. we we know we came from a certain spot. And we know we're in a better position now, but 100%. it's just it's just a shorthand. But the one one interesting thing about their their dynamic was just the, the pace that they lived life. Right. And I think for me, like I'm a I'm a work I'm a worker. Like right. we we in here on a Saturday. Eddie got two days off out of the week. We recording podcasts on both of those days. Yeah. And you know Saturday. This is we Saturday at seven p.m. Um, a lot of people right now is chilling. They might yeah. be watching a Laker game. They might be doing something, but, but we working, we, we, you know, we're, we're investing in ourselves. We're investing in our, in our podcasts and putting out content. And that's the, you know, the, the interesting dynamic that happens between, right. um, you know, uh, Will Silas and Sylvia, you know, right. just the pace that they live life. And I, I could relate a lot to Will's, the way Will, uh, Will live life is right. because I just, I feel like I'm always on the run constantly, I think that my I think me honestly I could relate to Will a lot like Mm -hmm. me and him are the same in this in this uh, this way Mm -hmm. I think me and Will Silas are a lot alike because if I'm a person that comes across a lot of money my first instinct is to give yeah and I think that's what his is Mm -hmm. if I came across two three million dollars wouldn't be like oh what Lamborghini am I getting oh what house am I getting it would be to take care of everyone who took care of me when I didn't have yeah okay you know, it was times where I was so poor, you know, um, I didn't have nothing to eat. My aunt got me something to eat mm-hmm. or, you know, um, you know, a time where I didn't have nowhere to go. You know, my aunt or took me in or mm-hmm. certain family took me in or Keith's mom took me in at one mm-hmm. time back in the day. Yeah. So these are the people, the first people that I would think about if I was to come across money. And that's what Will Silas did. Yeah, it's dope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To is, and I think that that makes you a different type of human being. Yeah, I think that the only money in this movie too, money is power. Is, is another thing that sticks out in this film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the only reason why I would want that amount of power is to positively impact the lives of people yeah. that matter to me. It's a kid right now in Bakersfield that um, gets up in the morning and doesn't have anything to eat. 
And that's unacceptable to me. Yeah. You know, in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form, you know, within whatever coming years, if the Lord blesses me with the amount of money that I envision myself to make, I will make myself a pillar in the city of Bakersfield and take care of people who need it. Yeah. And I think that when Will Silas was going around um, giving people money and, and giving people time and stuff, that just reminded me of what I will want to do. I mean, the, the, he was doing that when he got the money, but he was also doing it when he was poor. When he also when he was poor. Yeah, exactly. He, um, he had gave the little girl five minutes or something. Yeah. She the, basically she, panhandling. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this much, too. I, there was a time this is like, I don't know, about six years ago or something like that. I remember it was times where I would be so broke. Um, and Keith, like, he was you were you were going to BC for a little bit. Yeah, so this is way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be like, hey, man, you know, you got like three bucks. He'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and I would see you would have like singles. So it's not like you had a lot of money either. And you would just give it to me. So yeah. I, I and I would think about that. And obviously I would pay you back. But yeah. it's like when you got two people that don't got a lot, you know, I'm yeah. willing to give. It's been times where I didn't have a lot. And then, you know, your brother, we'd be out. And he'd be, I'd be like, man, I'm broke. I, I can't even go out and hang out. He'd be like, man, nigga, come on. Yeah. We, 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 you know, he have $10 and give me five of it yeah. or vice versa. That's you, dope. you learn when you pour that you better together than separate. Yeah. You know, if you, you can't, you, you almost, you hustling backwards if you're not sharing when you 100%. have a little bit. Because when, when everyone's rich, like, you know, the people mm-hmm. that live in zone nine or whatever, when everybody's rich. Right. Um, there's no, there's no need to share a hundred percent. But when you, when you don't got a lot, you got to share your resources just to survive. Yeah. Another thing too, is it was dope. And this is, I don't want to stray away from the movie at all, but, um, when you treat people a certain way, we talked about it also, it's like a credit score. So, so for example, Mm -hmm. if I help a young person out and they're really poor, they're not going to forget that. Yeah. They're going to be like, man, it was Eddie, dude. It was Eddie McGee flash forward, like 15 years later. You know, they'd be like, man, you helped me back when I was, you know, so-and-so. And I'd be like, really? And that person could be worth $10 million and I'm worth like $20, 30000000 million. And I don't realize who I helped and what kind of impact I had. Yeah. So your impact goes a long way. Yeah, that's real. I think just being selfless is is super important um, because it always comes back around. Right. You know 100%. I mean? And it's, I think that's a one of the more important things, even not even necessarily like monetary things, but. Um, just information and you know things that are not necessarily tangible just helping people out you know just giving somebody a ride doing you know doing whatever for for them because that stuff always comes back to you just doing good deeds and it just makes you feel good you know yeah it's something i want to highlight before we wrap this thing up there's a part in the movie where um uh it was basically the 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 mission it was the mission in the movie where the guy there was a guy that was giving away time to people and it was a a light that said out of time or time Mm -hmm. and when it said time people will line up and get a little donation of time right it's like those uh vacancy signs on hotels exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and i guess this would for that instance it would represent food yeah right um, which you know, yeah, like a little food bank. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like me growing up, I've had to go to food giveaways and stuff because I didn't have nothing to eat. Yeah. But that's the that's the reality of it when you are on the very bottom. But anyways, uh, Will Salas um, didn't rob the place, but he held the dude up at gunpoint with his head behind it. But basically, the dude was turned around the other way. He said, "Don't move." He's like, "What?" He said, "What do you do with your money or whatever?" He's like, "I don't even have any money. I just give it all away to people." And he was like, "I know." And then he grabbed the dude's arm and just gave him a bunch of time. So he had to like basically stick the dude up. Like the dude had such a big heart. He had to mm-hmm. stick the dude up 
and force him to take time. Yeah. That was crazy. That was probably the most powerful part in the whole film to me. Yeah. You know, that 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 person was so selfless, just giving away time. And then Justin Timberlake's character just gave him all that time. I was like, wow, this is. Yeah. This is awesome. That was cool. That yeah. was a, that was another point in the um, a quote that they said a couple of times in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, for a few to be immortal, many must die. Right. And I thought that was I thought that was pretty powerful because if you think about the way our society is structured now. Right. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily, not literally as in like people are dying in a sense, but it, it can be that also. Right. But essentially what I feel like it's saying is for, for a many to be rich, mm-hmm. uh, for a few people to be rich, many people have to be poor. A million percent. Yeah. It, 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 the, 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 there's um to me, I think there's obviously classes, but I would call it the struggling class and, yeah. and the working class. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, I, I, I'm a part of the class of people that, you know, make a livable wage. So it'd be like truck drivers, mm-hmm. registered nurses, oil field dudes, people like that. Right. Yeah. But then you have the the struggling class that, you know, as a McDonald's and Taco Bell, but they make these corporations so fucking rich. Yeah. Oh, my God. They make them so rich. Yeah. And I think that's what that point means. Yeah. Exactly. In order for the, for many to be uh, successful or mm-hmm. rich, many must die but instead be die being poor in this movie is almost equivalent to death yeah yeah because their time is money their so time is money and the then, relatable thing for us is yeah. yeah and the people that are working for these big corporations in the movie only have a day at a time yeah and justin's like one of his models in the movie was you could do a lot in a day yeah that was his he, the one good thing about it, he always had a positive outlook right he had maybe certain times where he had seconds on his life and he yeah. was just always like, all right, like what quick thinking, you know, yeah. what they would call like a low negative affect. He right. was always able to think quickly in, in high stressful uh, times. So right. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. He was always running everywhere. Yeah. 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 That's, that's crazy. I think that was the uh, equivalent to a lot of poor people in America. And what people don't realize is a lot of poor people in America are the hardest working people. Oh yeah. And they're the hardest working people. Yeah. And they don't, a lot of them don't make livable wages. Like, you know, I don't want to get all political, but that, there's, yeah. you know, there's, you know, farm workers that are working in the heat. It's farm workers right now with the fires going on. The fire mm-hmm. is right behind them and they in the fields with the smoke right on top of them. And they still out there picking out freaking that, handkerchiefs around. Yeah. Hang around handkerchiefs around their face, still picking all that produce. But there'll be the same people that say, go people to say, hey, get them out of here. We need to build a wall. Yeah. Right. Go ahead and build a wall. And then your salary going to be 20 fucking dollars. Yeah, or that <laughs> that lazy cliche. Yeah, the lazy you know? cliche. Like it, right. Essentially saying that if you don't make a lot of money, you lazy. One hundred percent. It's not real. Or you know, it, uh, if you get too much sleep, you ain't grinding. Yeah. When sleep is actually a pivotal part of in, of your life. Yeah, that was one thing. Another point that he was just like he was like we basically told uh, we don't, Sylvia, don't sleep we don't in. sleep in. We yeah. don't sleep in. Time is precious. And I was just thinking about that. I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. you have to be. Um, your time is so valuable. Yeah. And that's another thing that the movie, uh, one of the themes in the movie is your time is so valuable. Um, and we don't have the the luxury of, you know, being just chilling. We don't. It's right. We, we're, we're not. And I was telling Eddie this earlier. I was like, we're not living day by day. We're living moment by moment. Right. You know? I don't know if we covered this too. And um, it just, I don't know if, it, if they meant for this to mean that, um, that, Wow, somebody's alarm's going off. Jeez, I need to fix it. Um, hmm. There was a part in the film where obviously he had kidnapped her and they were under a bridge. 
kidnap uh, Sylvia. Get kidnapped Sylvia, mm-hmm. and you know they got robbed by the Minutemen. And when uh, after they after they got an accident, the Minutemen came and sucked all the life out of her arm. But just earlier, she denied him time because they had taken a lot of his time to confiscate it because yeah. you know they confiscated it. And um, he didn't really have shit. Wait, we gotta backtrack all. I gotta backtrack all the way back. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> let me go all the way start back from. I start from when they barged the, in the house. Yeah. So he was at this ball, and they were having. They was dancing and shit. And the the timekeepers come in. They 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 question him. He tells them, you know, hey man, like you know, this was given to me. I didn't steal it, mm-hmm. but they confiscated it. They took a lot of time, and not exactly how much they took, but they took a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, they left him with. I think it was two days. Yeah, like two days or something yeah. like that. Nothing but two days. Two days or two hours because it was basically enough to book to book him. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. enough to book him. So um, he basically takes the girl, runs out, hops in the car, takes off, and um, he's like, I need some time. She's like, I'm not giving you time. Is is And this is what she said verbatim. She says, um, uh, she didn't give, basically, uh, what'd she say? She said, oh, does everybody still in the ghetto? Uh-huh. That's what she told him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll oh, just forget about it. And then they got in a wreck. And then after they got in a wreck, the Minutemen, um, when she was knocked out, they were both knocked out. He didn't hardly have no time left. So they f- didn't fuck with him. But with her, they took a bunch of time. I think she had 10 years or something like that. Yeah, she had like 10 years. Like 10 years. That that was interesting to me, too, that she only had 10 she years. She only had 10 her years. Her dad had like a couple centuries or yeah, something. Yeah, I didn't crazy. understand yeah. that. But I, it was it was kind of that. And that's one thing that happens with a lot of um, wealthy people also is that they earned that money. So it's theirs. Right. And not that the, their daughter or whomever is never going to go broke. They're yeah. never going to be you know out in the streets slumming it. Right. But at the same time, it's like I worked to build this empire. It's a frugal. Yeah. Very frugal way. Yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought about that. Why does she only have 10 years? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, but he still gave her time despite not. Yeah, when she needed it. she. Um, but the, yeah, that's, I mean, we talked about that's that thing. And the interesting part is that um, no one actually stole from her. The only exactly. people, the, I guess those uh, those men and men stole from her, but they're not really from right. the ghetto. They're just kind of like these, these. Uh, they're just these almost gangsters. dropped in place yeah. to, to be, uh, to kind of keep the system going a certain way. So, right. Yeah. To right. keep people down. Yeah. And I think what uh, the whole him giving her a uh, time, despite her not giving him time, was a message like, you know, poor people are not like subhuman. Yeah. You know, they, they have hearts, they have they have souls. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are very giving mm-hmm. because I guarantee you right now there is somebody that you called a bum. Get this fucking bum out of here. Go get a job. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, if you was down to your last, a lot of them homeless people would give you something. Mm-hmm. I've, there was video. There was a video that went viral, and it was of a homeless man trying to offer this man some aid. Like, hey, you need some water? You need anything, man? Let me help you out, man. You don't look very good. That's crazy, man. That's the real world. So a lot of times, people without shit can see you without nothing and still help you out. Yeah, that's that's real. I think, um, yeah, we covered pretty much everything. One one thing that I wanted to say too is when i was looking up the uh the director of the movie his name mm-hmm. is andrew nickel i okay. think let me get his name right yeah andrew nickel mm-hmm. um and i and i seen that he did a couple other movies and some of them didn't do as good but he also um wrote the truman show oh wow yeah that so was, I was a like fucking cool movie yeah With so Jim i was like Carrey. yeah yeah i'm super impressed i was like this guy is uh one of those you know people that I'm sure his mind is this probably like working. like the fucking Dr. Seuss of movies, man. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm super impressed by like his catalog because that like yeah. a, sh- a movie like this and then the Truman Show. It's yeah. like that's the it's kind a, of creative yeah, stuff. Like creative. That, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Really I'll dope. say this in in closing before you know we get all the scores and stuff. Um, seeing like the, the reason why I operate in the world the way I do is a lot of the has to do with this movie. Like when you grow up poor and you don't have a lot and you get in a position to help someone, you're not saying you got to be rich, but you get in a position to help someone and you do help them. I don't like to publicize it. And I, because I don't even feel like I'm the one doing it. Yeah. Like I feel like at that moment, God put me in a place or a higher power put me in a place to help someone. So I feel like that's very private. That's why mm-hmm. I don't like to publicize it. I don't like to put it on social media. I don't like to, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody that does. I just feel like my situation growing up and me having any type of ability to help someone um, is very personal. And I take it seriously because I've been without many Mm -hmm. times in my life. Yeah. So that's real. Yep. All right. Let's move forward, man. Yes, sir. Let's go forward with the scales, man. We got a we got a couple. We have an actual template now. (laughs) So ATM rubric. Yeah, there you go. Um, So. You want to go over that or just go one by one? Just, just so, go right into it. Yeah. So you do. Let's. So it's four of them. I, let's just do your your number one. Then I'll do number one. Then your. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll we'll rock like that. All right. So for number one, we got originality. So out of originality, I'm going to give this thing a ten, man. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the concept is amazing to me. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, oh, that's just a replica of such and such a film and such and such. But, right. you know, for me, I thought, you know, I've never seen that idea. It's great. 100%. So. Um, story slash plot, I'm going to give it a 10. Uh, just because 10. they didn't leave any stones left unturned, you knew mm-hmm. exactly what they were. They did such a good job of really uh, uh, showing you what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah. So I think the story slash plot, I give that shit a 10. I give it a, I give it a 9. Mm-hmm. I'm, oof, I'll say I'm gonna say an eight and a half. Okay, but um, I thought there was room for uh, certain things to be a little bit more developed as okay. far as like they introduced his father, but mm-hmm. they kind of only kind of sprinkled him in there. Right. Um, right I right, guess right. You, if you are going to introduce him, you could really tell us more about him. Yeah, give us a little bit of a prequel. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, just the the way they set up the world, I feel like it was. It was, uh, I think they did a good job, but also they almost overdid it at times because mm. there's this opening monologue. It's like, you know, basically, you know, I forget what he was saying verbatim. And then right when it opened up, it almost just repeated exactly what it was oh. saying. So that for me, I was like, you didn't even have to say that. Like where I think the audience is intelligent enough to like get it the first time you said right. it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say 8.5. 8.5. Yeah. That's not bad. Um, acting uh, slash character development. I'm going to give it an eight and I'll give it an eight only because I wasn't blown away by the acting. I think it was, yeah. they did a decent job for mm-hmm. sure, but I wasn't blown away. You, you, there's a, there's a difference between being blown away by the acting. Like you could feel it, feel it like, yeah. Oh my God. You know? And I, I just didn't get that, but mm-hmm. it was still a great job. An eight is really good. Yeah. 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 Definitely, it's not bad. Definitely not a 10. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you. Eight. It was, um, I don't, I thought, there was uh, only a little bit of room for, so you, you, when you think about you know like the best acting performances right, like right. like Denzel and Training Day or you know uh, there you go um, Scarface and there these kind these kind of movies, I think 
the 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 script in the movie allows more room for these um like vulnerable um scenes and stuff like that right. i don't think there was a lot of that in here no I so i the only dramatic real real dramatic part of the movie is when justin timberlake's mom died yeah. So I feel like if it was a few more scenes that were like that intense and that dramatic, right. it would have allowed for more stuff. But True. Um, yeah, it was it was it was it was it was some okay performances. So I'm, I'll give it an eight also. All right. Yeah. And then the theme uh, for the theme, I gave it a ten. Yeah. I, I gave I gave it a ten based on, you know, once again they they hit the mark. Yeah. You know, they hit the mark on what they were trying to accomplish. I think that was. Um, pretty it's pretty pretty good and then i think the best movie to compare this to would be the movie us Uh uh-huh because the movie us there was basically a classism uh type of message yeah you know and it was just it was kind of a clusterfuck yeah in the movie us (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know if you were if you're a really an analytical person you could see what they were pick up what they were trying to lay down you know yeah but if not you could be like oh I like this movie it wasn't scary it's I think, like bro I think <laughs> there's there has to be a balance though and I thought us was a good movie but right, I also right. left scratching my head a little bit like exactly. what's going on that so might have that might have been the goal for them though. who knows yeah 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 uh-huh. but I think you have to when you want to touch a, a wider audience and you don't want people leaving saying that yeah you gotta you gotta be able to almost dumbing down in yeah. A sense. yeah it, it, it kind of reminds me of you know not putting enough light on Shia LaBeouf's character and mm-hmm. uh, the movie we just watched, uh, the, the tax the collector. Tax collector. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what the fuck if he's Latino or if he's white. <laughs> yeah. It's just like we need to just just if it just had a little sprinkle of something. Yeah, yeah. I think that that sometimes those elements take away from a film. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, Will Solace's dad. There was nothing there. Yeah, you know, it was all you know just to make you think. That's that's why, in you know, kind of being in it, you. Um, generally you'll you'll give your script to somebody right and they they'll, they'll give you notes on it mm-hmm. um and sometimes like what uh when a, a writer once um said in an interview or this little class he was like you as a writer know more about the world than anybody will ever know oh wow. so when you're sitting down writing your script when andrew was probably sitting down writing it, he was like yeah let me sprinkle into that right here mm. and then that will give the audience enough but this is you you know everything you you probably know more about the dad then you're actually putting it into the movie, but mm. you're trying to sprinkle in a little bit just to let the audience know that there's a connection there. Wow. But in reality, um, when you're somebody that uh, is reading it objectively and you don't know anything about the dad, you can be like, hey, like, why are you introducing the dad here but not saying yeah. enough about his story? Or, you know, you can give little little notes and stuff. Um, so that's kind of yeah. what, what that's for. So. All right. What was your score? Then? You never gave your score. The uh, total? Yeah, the theme. Oh, the t- theme, definitely a 10. Okay. I thought... Yes, it's one of those ones where I mean we had an hour long discussion about right. you know the 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 different themes that were in the movies. So right, it's, it's definitely and it's something that I I care about because there's a lot of times you know certain movies there's certain movies that just have themes that I that just don't really resonate with me. I'm right. just not really into that. But as far as you know society, classism, and you know you know we're obviously trying to uh, build businesses and um, grow our wealth. So that's like, you know, I'm all for that and understanding why the world is the way it is, you Mm. know, in order to kind of combat it. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. So what's the uh, what's the uh, Keith and Eddie score for this one? So I total mine, basically add all of them up and divide it by four. And my total was a a nine point one two five. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. 
let me see what mine was. It's four, so okay, hold on. Hold on, cuz. So mine's that's and you said what was it? How do you do it? What? So you add all your score, you had a what'd you have? Yeah. Mine's was uh You I had, had a ten, a ten, an eight, and a ten. And a ten, yeah. So add all of those up. Yeah. It'd be thirty eight and divided by four. Ah. Should be nine point something. <laughs> Hold on. Yep, it's nine and a half. There you go. So yeah. Nine and a half and nine point one two five. So okay, yeah. well, and it looks solid like solid job, man. Yeah, it's definitely a solid job. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's in the books. Yes, um, sir. We got something else coming. Yeah, um, we don't know what movie we're gonna watch yet. Yeah, and we're not gonna let you guys know. <laughs> but gonna... if you do have suggestions, oh, yeah. shoot, shoot Eddie a message. Shoot me a message. Definitely. We yeah. got this one from my boy Anthony. Actually, he was watching it right um, the other day, and he just texted me randomly, like, "Man, you know what movie is underrated?" And I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, "The movie in time." And I was like, "Dang, you're right. Like that movie had a lot of different themes and a lot of um, plot points that was just uh, very current." So I yeah. thought that was dope. This movie came out what 2011. This, 11? this one, mm-hmm. yeah, eleven. Yeah, that's crazy. Man. Great film. Great yeah. film. Good job, guys. Yeah. Very, very fine movie. Very fine. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely well done. Extremely very very well fine done. people in this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like we're about to wrap it up. We'd like to appreciate everybody that tuned in. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind Movie Reviews. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>